TFT podcast. Uh, this week it stands for these frolicking tourists. You know, Matt, we may never be royals, but today we are all of your queen bees. Because <laughs> we are actually uh, coming to you, well, not live, but in person, uh, from the steps of the Metropolitan Museum of Art, uh, that famous seat of power from Gossip Girl. So, what, I mean, we'll explain what we're doing in just a second, but before we even get into that, Ryan, would you do me a favor? Would you just describe the scene you see before us? Because in Gossip Girl, the Met steps were white, you know, blinding white, pristine, uh, and covered only with the headband and beret-clad girls from Constance. What What is the scene that you see in, in front of you now? I mean, there are more pigeons just swirling around me than I can count. I am sure I'm going to get shat on before I leave this location. Uh, there's a pool of, of, of standing liquid that is either um, mosquito-infested water or urine. Um, there is a uh, Salvation Army ringer who will be keeping a, a pretty constant... Uh, beat throughout the entirety of this recording. Uh, and then a little further uh, to, to my right, as I'm looking out across uh, Fifth Avenue, um, is a uh, band with an upright bass uh, singing Motown greats. And then, then there are uh, just as many um, uh, tourists uh, as uh, as there are pigeons, uh, and 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 again, equally in terms of getting shat on, I'm you know it's equal equal bet. Uh, so this is not. I was sold a false bill of goods. Yeah, I was, <laughs> we were lied to. I feel really good. But here's what I, I mean. And if this is a lie, then what else? I mean, because all I know about like uh, New York is really based on Gossip Girl. I mean, are you going to tell me that there is like inequality? Uh, that, <laughs> Uh, what is that noise? Is there construction happening? I thought New York was an amazing place of dreams. I saw and never. Promise. I mean, there are more miles of scaffolding up on the sidelines of New yeah. York. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and I'm, I'm putting it on a, on a show, but it is interesting because you know I think when we started TFT, uh, I had just moved to Boston from New York, and now I've only been back here one or two uh, times um, uh, since then. So I think that New York, the notional New York. York in my mind uh, has become the New York of my of memory uh, and and Gossip Girl and maybe Mad Men you know which is like Mad Men right now is really like New York is just starting to get shitty at where we are in uh, Mad Men and you know now we're on the at least. Uh, sensibly on the other side, but who knows? We, we could be heading into a, a second dark age of uh, New York. Right, the Warriors 2. <laughs> Warriors 2. Uh, uh, electric gangland boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's really interesting. So they're doing... Um they're doing construction across the whole front of the Met, and you can you can see you know what uh, uh, barriers up, and of course they're because it's the Met, they're covered with like well graphic designed you know uh, uh, things. But so so here's what we wanted to do: since we happen to be in person uh, uh, in 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 New York together for the wedding of a friend of ours who got married yesterday, we thought, well, let's do a uh, let's do a Gossip Girl walking tour. It's not that there's no more indie pop to talk about. Well, as a matter of fact, we were actually supposed to talk about M.I.A.'s album, Matangi, and Matt is so busy that he cannot... I mean, this is not even like an 80-minute opus double album, like, reflector. I mean, this is, you know, this is this is like... There's like a, a half dozen interesting out. songs. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, but, you know, that's okay. Uh, I'm okay with that, because this is going to be better than that was going to be, <laughs> at least for now. And then we'll... Uh, indie pop will return next week, but this is a... Um, yeah, this is a multimedia uh, feature 
field recording. Right. Um, absolutely. Yeah, we're going out. We're going to do some ethnography. Yeah, is, absolutely. Is what we're going to do. We're going to contribute to the to the literature, like the like the great white hunters of Africa. You know what I mean? Oh like, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're going is... to. We have pith helmets on. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, we. Uh, I, I. I took an extra dose of my quinine, which is actually good because of the <laughs> uh, the standing water. I'm sure there's. It's actually probably a small malaria outbreak waiting. So, right. Yeah. So so did I. It just was in the hashtag, form of hashtag first world problems. <laughs> right. So so did I. It was just in the form of tonic water at the, the open bar at the wedding yesterday. So we're going to we're going to actually just walk around New York and uh, do some field recording at, at we're going to gather data. Yeah. Is what we're going to do. We're on a data gathering expedition around the streets of New York. Um, well, and just to, to be clear, right, you know, one thing we've said here is that, you know, uh, the the uh, plural of anecdote is not data, but like the kind of data that we are going to be gathering is a is a rich interpretive uh, um, uh, uh, situa- situated uh, ethnography in the style of Clifford Geertz, right? So the Clifford Geertz talks a lot about the thick description. So we're going to give you the thickest, meatiest description of the streets of the Upper East Side and surrounding environs as we articulate the Cremaster Field. <laughs> we were standing in Brooklyn yesterday, actually, walking down, what, Washington? Yeah, Washington, uh, near the Brooklyn Museum, um, so kind of near Eastern Parkway uh, and the, the Brooklyn Botanical Garden. Gardens and uh, and that kind of upper uh, quadrant of Prospect Park. Right, and so uh, we actually saw as we were walking down Washington. Ryan came up to me and and uh, tapped me on the shoulder and says, "Hey, look up!" And I looked up, and there was the Chrysler Building standing, gleaming, uh, lit up because the sun was setting, lit up in the distance. And I felt uh, sort of ensorcelled, sort of pulled into yeah. the the gravitational force of the Cremaster Field, uh, the one that articulates the division between the Upper East Side and Brooklyn. And is is you know centered on uh, either the Empire State Building, but here the Chrysler Building was a good proxy for the Empire State Building. Well, absolutely, and so as a result, here we are through no agency of our own, but rather <laughs> just as waifs amidst forces, just drawn uh, here. And actually, it's interesting. So as I look down Fifth Avenue, um, and I, I can't see it from the steps here, but on the on the sidewalk, you can actually just see the very tip of the Empire State Building um, poking up uh, over the, over the skyline. And so it's like actually really interesting that. Uh, uh, in the uh, season finale, where uh, Chuck is waiting uh, for for Blair at the top of the Empire State Building, it's actually even though on the one hand, like looking out over the the entire realm, is actually obscured by this this seat of power. Um, and so, and and then as a result, he goes and bones Jenny Humphrey. Uh, <laughs> she goes wild, uh, like, like like through no agency of his own. Right, um, absolutely not. It's it again, like it is his telos as it is her telos to have gone wild. Um, so, uh, so don't worry if you're a new listener to the TFT podcast and you feel alienated and confounded by this uh, by this digression. Uh, it's not a uh, it's not a permanent return to being a Gossip Girl podcast. Uh, it's only a temporary return to that and a temporary return to our mission uh, to alienate and confound the listenership rather than our current mission to actually talk about something interesting. Oh, this is. I think. Look, I mean, if you're a person, you're probably interested in New York because it is the greatest uh, greatest city that ever was or ever will be. 
Kobe. Um, and, uh, you know, so so it is a a, a Karth for the modern ages. For those of you who are uh, uh, fans of the uh, Song of uh, Ice and Fire uh, uh, series uh, or of the Game of Thrones television show. So I think that you know, I think I think Matt is appropriately managing expectations. But you know, I think that this is almost uh, you know maybe who knows maybe this is a one-off or maybe this is a first of a series of walking guided walking tours, uh, which was how we will actually monetize the TFT brand. <laughs> like, you may think this is actually a return to our experimental and alienating uh, roots, but this could actually be the first boldest step towards us effectively selling out. Oh, nice. I would love I would love to sell out. If only if only someone wanted to buy, I would I sell think, out. Yeah, it, it takes two to tango. <laughs> <laughs> if only someone wanted to buy, I would sell out in an instant. So, uh, right, and, and then I think one more uh, prolegomenon uh, to this is that uh, to, to our effort here, to our uh, and I, I don't know how long we'll be able to do this, how much we'll be able to say or how long our, Six our walking or seven to- hours probably. <laughs> uh, so, you know, though it is a thick description, it, it won't be a long description. No, it'll be a descriptive chode, really. <laughs> <laughs> but, the, um, but the other thing I want to say is that we're, if you are a new listener, we're probably going to revisit a lot of the early concerns and a lot of the critical vocabulary that built up over the first uh, you know, 75 episodes of TFT, um, where we talked about, you know, things like uh, non-oriented sexuality or we talked about sort of international relationships and we talked about aristocracy and, and certain dispositions of power and certain uh, political systems that that uh, gave rise to the, the phenomenal and profound sociological document that is Gossip Girl. So, you know, if, if you don't uh, know about the Cremaster Field or if you don't know about the Chuck Quest or if you don't know about uh, uh, you know, I don't know, some of the some of the old topics that we talk about that come up uh, and that we don't usually gloss uh, in our new in the new season or in the new um, the new research project uh, uh, for which, by the way, we don't have a research question yet. You know, like the the uh, the research question of the the TFT podcast was um, uh, is our teenagers fucking? And and we answered that. It's funny. I, I sort of pulled my punch on that profanity because we're sitting out here in in public, and I feel a little Funky. awkward. Funky. Funky. <laughs> is our teenagers effing? And the uh, the answer, of course, was a qualified yes to that. Um, they are doing it intransitively. They're effing with, and they're effing around, and they're effing about. And they're being f by. Yeah, but uh, uh, not necessarily, not necessarily uh, effing in the way that you think of it. Um, but the, uh, the we need a new research question for the indie pop focused, uh, uh, you know, longitudinal study that that we're doing. But. Um, uh, in the meantime, well, I think the research question maybe is this authentic, <laughs> right? Yeah. What is yeah, and what is authenticity yeah. anyway? Um, and there was actually there was an interesting comment on the last uh, on the last episode uh, in the show notes, which was uh, uh, a listener pointed out, and I don't have it in front of me. I'm sorry, I forget who you are, but I'll I'll look it up and remember uh, the. Um, uh, asks, well, authentic to what? And and my answer is exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, my answer is indeed. Ex- yeah, <laughs> you are you are exactly uh, on the right track, sir or madam. Um, uh, well, we, I think we mean ob- authentic to objective reality. Does <laughs> that exist? <laughs> right. Absolutely. So uh, as we were. Um, 
as we were taking selfies, oh, here's a little digression. We were taking selfies uh, at the wedding uh, yesterday, and, and our friends provided an Instagram hashtag through which there would be a constantly evolving sort of updated document, a simulacrum of the wedding, if you will. Well, really, I mean, us- I think I think that they actually wanted to provide an actual reality of the wedding, right? And so, and I think like they may not have anticipated that they were creating a simulacrum and go on. Yeah, they wanted a nice photo album, and of course, we stepped in passive aggressively to to ruin any chance of that happening. So, you know, we started taking a lot of selfies. We started doing a lot of very detailed food blogging on the. Uh, I, I start. I basically started using it as a Tumblr, <laughs> just like posting a bricolage of unrelated images that through the through Eisensteinian montage became associated with the event of the wedding. So that like there were photos of Jay Z and Beyonce on the red carpet and were they there maybe we don't know was uh, Shaquille O'Neal singing uh, Love Shack maybe we don't know <laughs> was uh did the, the the 17th century governor of the New Amsterdam colony show up at the wedding I'm not sure but someone talked about at the wedding how great a city New York is and talked about a little bit of the history of you know Manhattan being settled and things like this and so a picture of the 17th century governor of New Amsterdam showed up on the uh, showed up on the Instagram feed but <laughs> we're being, we're being, oh my God. <laughs> we're under attack. <laughs> we're being uh, dive bombed uh, right now by a flock of, of kamikaze urban pigeons. Um, and uh, not, not shot on yet, but, but it can't be it's far only, off. It's only a matter of time. Right. So, uh, what what happened yesterday was we started taking selfies and then we started taking shots of people taking shots to and and not in the shots 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 not in that sense uh, t- taking uh, pictures of people taking pictures for Instagram and then I think there was one point when the wedding photographer came up and saw one of these like human centipede like chains of three people with smartphones taking pictures for Instagram um, and uh, you know and so uh, what we created really was simulation, the final stage of, of the simulacrum, where there is no objective reality, and it's just simulation of simulation of simulation. Uh, and I feel like uh, I feel like that's what we are. Uh, that's what we're headed into too. Uh, headed into now, so we may be we may be done with the Met steps. I don't know what do you think, Ryan. Yeah, I think so. I think that we're going to uh, to work our, our way uh, kind of in a, in some in some kind of a, a, a loop or a, a gentle C curve uh, around uh, the the contours of the the Upper East Side um, and and you know Fifth Avenue, home of the you know the center of of, of much commerce and uh, you know home of things such as the Banana Republic and the Gap. Uh, the Uniqlo, uh, <laughs> where I'm going to buy some sweater vests. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, we might we might take a little stop into the Uniqlo. Um, and uh, all right, so uh, we'll be right back with our next recording. So we're here now on 74th Street uh, outside the Archibald Townhouse, uh, or at least the uh, location that was used as the um, as the exterior shots for that. Um, and so I don't know what what why I wanted to stop by this. I mean, one is that it was the first most interesting location that was closest to the Met. That was really the the hieristic that sort of dominated the you know yeah yeah. But I think beyond that, um, 
I, I think it's in, an interesting thing where there's a few things that I'm kind of experiencing right now. One is that just even though we're, I can see Fifth Avenue, just moving this far into the interior of one of the uh, the cross streets feels very different. Right, and the, and by this far, it's like a hundred hundred yards maybe down Seventy Fourth Street. Uh, right. We're standing outside Four Seventy Fourth Street, and we we've taken some some photographs that will be uh, in a photo gallery on the show notes for this post, so you can you can go look at those. Um, so look, like uh, yeah, we're we're away from the the tourist and pigeon infested, you know, um, steps of the Met and of of Central Park West, uh, East uh, Fifth Avenue, and um, we're here, you know, in in Gossip Girl Land, where there are these sort of very tall, skinny, sort of three three window skinny, right, like uh, townhomes, and the uh, the the one that stood in for the Archibald residence is the most ornate with um uh, on the ground floor, a uh, you know an elaborate wrought iron gate over the door, and then a uh, a balcony with some sort of carved stone, uh, sort of carved stone. Uh, uh, what is that Balu- balustrade or uh, you know railing or something? Something I forget. And then columns, you know, going up each, and has this you know extraordinarily kind of bombastic, you know, grandiose architectural style that that uh, you sort of have come to associate with with the more baroque elements of God. But but the reason I think this is interesting, and one of the things I was thinking about as we were walking over here, was that um, this is a uh, and and I just want I I pause to I pause to just note that we're being passed on the street and kind of looked at askance by yeah. by a number of people who who actually belong really more to the world that the show depicts rather than to the world of you know uh, people like us who who observe and comment who you know perform ethnographic studies on. Uh, uh, on these people. Well, and that's the thing is that you know, in some ways, what makes this a rapid ethnography and like diverges from classic ethnography is that we don't have a chance to um, establish what is called in uh, ethnographic practice rapport, right? That of 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 you know, an ability for your presence to seem even if somewhat unusual, more normal, and 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 so for your ability to actually observe life as it is lived. And at this point, I mean, I feel even though we are on a public street uh, and on on a sidewalk, as if we are trespassing, um, and that we are we are engaging in some that we should not be doing right, right. That, this is that this activity this this sort of uh, just sort of walking around and recording some audio on the streets with a you know with a small little field recorder that looks like an iPhone it could be a smartphone or something like a um, that that this is illicit somehow, you know, and that that it's definitely sort of in in the it, we're met with low grade disapproval. Not, I don't think we really rise even to the level of like, uh, you know, very strenuous disapproval, but just a, just a sort of like, well, look at these look at these these frolicking tourists. Yeah, yeah, we are the flies uh, buzzing around their turds, basically. <laughs> and, you know, and that's appropriate because if you know anything about New York, you know that the trash is left out on the sidewalk. Even here in the august precincts of you know the the most expensive parts of the Upper East Side, so the, so um, there are uh, trash bags out on the floor, and you know a bunch of service uh, vehicles and 
service people and, and uh, uh, you know, um, what utilities workers and things like this working. Definitely a different vibe than uh, up in East, East Harlem where I happen to be staying uh, up here. So um, one of the things I was thinking about as we were walking over, just to return to that thought, was that um, uh, Nate's arc, I think, traces a path from what, from what Gossip Girl thought it was about at the beginning to what it actually turned out to be about in, in the end, right? Because at the beginning, he was a sort of a lacrosse playing bro, you know what I mean? He was like a prep school bro. And, um, yeah, and was a rival was a rival for Serena was Dan's first rival for for Serena and and as he sort of as his arc sort of continued um, there was a lot of sort of intra family uh, stuff with him with the captain being put away for tax evasion or something like that There's a variety of illicit and unseemly uh, things I believe financial related malfeasance and um, the uh, this in fact this structure that we're looking at was briefly re repossessed by the feds or or i don't know attached by the the feds and might have escheated to the state had yeah well i was gonna say that in some ways and for that reason um like actually this exterior uh, is actually one of the more i think familiar exteriors of the characters uh homes because actually we are associated with being outside of it right that and in fact we know because uh, you know nate the, you know these scandals happened to nate very early in the first season so the Whole, his whole arc is from the outside of this. So, right, it's about being excluded from something you thought was yours, and suddenly, suddenly you find yourself right. uh, on the outside, and sort of plays on the the political implications of in groups and out groups, and you know, um, being being included and excluded in in the clique. Whereas, whereas by the end, you know, Nate was living with Chuck at the Empire Hotel in the penthouse, so he'd you know moved across town. When he uh, crashed with Dan in Brooklyn uh, as well, right. And so in some ways, in later seasons, uh, he's also a, um, a rival to Brooklyn Dan, but much more as a, like, a peer, right, in the same track rather than uh, on this, on this uh, ultimate track, right? So he kind of circles around these various locations of New York um, and kind of, I mean, ultimately, right, in the very end of the season, he's running for mayor of New York. Right, right, um, and so he's almost without knowing it, he is building his constituency, right? Like that, he is, um, he is, he is um, like moving through places, and actually, they're kind of becoming part of him, right? Uh, in, in a way, uh, so that you know, it seems like he is a favorite to become the youngest mayor of New York or something in the Gossip Girl finale. Sure, um, and that's, I mean, that's a very interesting, and that's a very interesting thing. And he had been also at that point like a principal journalist who was at least trying to, you know. Uh, uh, bear up under the the intrigues of his father and Elizabeth Hurley and you know and whoever. So right, so he has gone from he has gone from being being sort of a lacrosse playing bro to being a person who is kind of interacting with the the discourses of power and and the discourses of sort of credibility and authenticity, um, and and also sort of discourses of of like civic engagement, right? In a way that that had seemed unthinkable. When he was uh, when he was living in this townhouse. Now, is this also where the last scene, where you see little, where you see Chuck Jr. is is I, I forget whether this was also the location of that that final kind of coda. I'm not sure if we see an establishing shot or not. Right, that that's in some type of Dan and Serena home. But I, yeah, I, I don't know if there's an exterior that's set up for that. Um, 
I mean, I'm not, I'm not certain. All right. Um, so un- unlike the course of Empire, which uh, flows westward, we're going to flow downtown uh, and uh, pick up this, I guess, a little, uh, a little later. I think our next stop is the Plaza Hotel. Yeah. So we are uh, we're back. We are sitting in Lincoln Center Plaza. Uh, why, why don't you orient us, Ryan, to where we are? Sure. Uh, so we are we are facing west uh, with the Empire Hotel, Central Park, and all of the Upper East Side at our backs, and um, the uh, Metropolitan Opera House uh, directly to our left. So we've come over to the we've come over to the west side of Manhattan, and, and why did we do that exactly? Well, I think we did that. I mean, for for a variety of reasons, but I mean, the main reason is that this really started to become the center of gravity of the world of Gossip Girl really starting midway through or in the back like third of, of the series uh, once Chuck Bass buys the Empire Hotel and so this is the physical um, location of, of the Empire Hotel and so we thought we would actually stop at the uh, the Plaza Hotel which is the anchor of, um, of, of Fifth Avenue you know right at the uh, southeast corner of, of Central Park um, and even though it doesn't figure um, extremely prominently in, in Gossip Girl is part of the really the the world of the actual world of the Upper East Side. There's many a debutante ball and society event and you know residence um, uh, in 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 the plaza, but we you know were not particularly compelled, um, and and so we. But what really we saw, and I mean, it's an interesting thing because it's like it's the the. Um the tension between the New York that the show paints and the New York that that actually is, right? Well, right. In some ways, and, and, and I think that's I think that's right that we, you know, had an impulse to actually, you know, I think I said early on on our track, oh, we should find, you know, one of the um, the 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 prep schools that inspired, um, you know, Constance Bellard uh, school in, uh, in Gossip Girl. And, and we could we have just... actually done some subject interviews with, because it's actually, it's now, you know, three in the afternoon school is getting out though. I suppose today is a, a holiday as we record so they probably, this. They probably have off anyhow. And they're all off like smoking cigars and drinking brandy as, 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 uh, right. as 16 year olds do in this world, as far as I know. But that's, I think that what it is, is that in, in, in some ways, you know, as we um, kind of experienced outside of the uh, Archibald townhouse, that, you know, that, and then really at the Met as well, it's that actually engaging with the reality of these places is, is brutal and uncomfortable. And, right. And so for the places that are the um, real-world inspirations for what's in, in Gossip Girl, um, we actually don't even have the, the background uh, or, or, or credentials uh, or experience to really enter these places, right? We would um, need we would need like a Wellesley Deb or something like right, that. Who right. uh, you know, not even Wellesley. Maybe that's even too uh, Boston based, right? Like maybe yeah. what I don't know, a Smith Deb or something like yeah, that. Or, exactly, you know. exactly. One of the uh, the the true the true seven sisters, right? <laughs> um, right, exactly. And and we're just and and. I think more importantly, as I kind of mentioned, outside of the Archibald uh, residence, we would need more time. Right. Right. You know, we are, um, you know, we are really just scratching the surface. So let's just stay on the surface. Yeah, absolutely. Where, where we a, belong. Well, that's so, and that's an interesting point of view because we were standing outside the Empire Hotel and we were looking up and with the E, the interlocking E H uh, logo, and you know, it's a facade. The, we see the facade of the hotel. Well, and, and there, are, there's actually an iconic um, neon lights on the top right. of the hotel that say, you know. Um, Empire Hotel, right, and the, and you can see those from Columbus Circle, and you can see them from here where we're sitting. Uh, well, I don't know, were there not a theater?
familiar in our way. But, but you know, the point is that um, that uh, we're familiar with this because it's used in a lot of establishing shots right. on Gossip Girl. We actually thought we might go into the hotel, see if they had a little lounge area where we could sit down. Right, uh, like, like, you know, maybe we could uh, record this segment in the spot where, like, Juliet, um, like, put a drugged Serena, um, put on a mask like her, and kissed both um, Nate and um, and and Dan, uh, forever burning every bridge between them and Serena before taking Serena off uh, to uh, Queens and dumping her, uh, dumping her body. Her yeah, body yeah, there. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we thought we could like really, or or you know, hang out in like the scaffolding where Chuck and Blair like shared, uh, shared a, a tender embrace and were revealed uh, by Chivy or something. <laughs> like that, right? You know, one of these um, you know places uh, where uh, one of many schemes played out. Um, but turns out, fact, yeah, yeah, it turns out that those things don't exist except on a soundstage, which makes a lot of sense because you have a lot more control over the environment over lighting over things like this uh, when you're filming on a soundstage and and uh, so we walked into the into the hotel proper and it was a little more um, I don't know it was a, a little, little more like a hotel yeah and <laughs> right and a little a little less like a gateway into a magical world of of you know I don't know indulgence and pampering right like right I mean it was it was I mean it was it was fine but it was quite small um, very you know plain um, you know lounge music yeah, yeah exactly say. and not like lounge music of the you know 1940s, 50s, and 60s, but lounge music of today. Yeah, sure. Uh, the the kind of um, you know nondescript um, electronic-ish, like you know what, like the 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 like just kind of. Soiled leavings of trip hop, basically. Right. Right? Yeah, that's um, a, <laughs> that is a great way to put it. Tricky's right? afterbirth. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and yeah, uh, we're, we're right now just experiencing the joys of recording in real life. Um, <laughs> Why don't we do this all the time? Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, so we're we're here. So uh, speaking of staying right on the surface, come on, I'm pushing through, right? Yeah, I'm powering. I'm powering yeah, through with this. Um, the uh, 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 speaking of staying on the surface, so it's it's the surface of the Empire Hotel that is right. really important for our purposes in, in thinking and talking about Gossip Girl, and not not the actual reality of what a hotel is. Though though it's a little better than most hotels in New York because it doesn't have the escalator up to the second floor right. reception area. Right. You're thinking of the Hudson Hotel, that, uh, sure, yeah, yeah, that many, we were at the other night, but the Hudson, the, which is another kind of um, event hotel, and actually right. even more, you know, preceded. I think the Empire is kind of launched into that echelon um, in part uh, either by virtue of or in conjunction with its association with Gossip Girl. Sure. Like, you know, like using its name and kind of exterior in Gossip Girl was, I, th- I think I remember reading, an explicit marketing decision on the part of the hotel's ownership or management to kind of become one of these major kind of boutique event type hotels. Sure. And, and the Hudson Hotel. Um, and, part, and part of that was probably this marketing deal with Gossip Girl yeah. to get included in the show. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, but like, the Hudson that you're talking about is, um, you know, another kind of event hotel that has an escalator up to a second floor that is a kind of large, you know, very large um, central um, uh, uh, event space that feels more like what, what actually we imagine, um, you know, uh, uh, the Empire to be. To, to be rather than yeah it's actually that's actually interesting and we were going to uh, uh, we were going to a wedding event there the, the the wedding that we were at so um you know 
uh, thinking about this and thinking about the plaza, I mean, and the, the sort of the tension between surface and what it is, it's it's no longer a hotel, right? And it's like the famous, it's famously the hotel that Eloise, the children's book character, yeah. uh, lived in, you know, supervised only by the staff. Um, and it's... Uh, it's it also, uh, wasn't there a, like... Neil Simon play that there's like a oh, plaza probably, suite uh, where there's like a set of like mini like acts that are different rooms in this hotel. I could be mistaken. Or no, that makes uh, that makes perfect sense. Sounds like Neil Simon, right? Yeah, if that sort of thing doesn't exist, it, it really ought to. I dreamed a, a, a perfect imitation of reality. Right. Um, so yeah. the the. Um, but now it's all. I think they gutted it, renovated it on the inside. Now it's all condos or something like it's, that. It's condos, um, and then there's a, there's a food hall with um, uh, uh, stalls by the likes of Todd English. Oh yeah, chef, uh, Todd English, uh, and there's a few bars. It's that not are just there. like a chopped and a witchcraft and a like. I mean, a, I mean, listen, there are still standards. The barbarians may may be at the gate, but you <laughs> you can then make your decision of how to react to that. You can either let them in or you can adapt to a, a post barbarian world. Right. Right, and so they, they've, you know, they've, um, in, in this case, Rome has gone to the barbarians for, rather than vice versa. Right. right? The- so uh, yeah, and so so we were standing there and and uh, talking about uh, talking about whether we would go down to the Banana Republic or the uh, you know the what Uniqlo actually yeah. in our case. So uh, the new listeners, people who are recently on the the podcast, may not know the origin of that story. And since we're kind of glossing some of our references, um, wh- wh- why don't you tell the the origin of how that story came about? Well, sure, I mean, and and I, I know I've told it uh, at least once before on this podcast, but um, it was when I was, uh, the, for a brief uh, time when I was uh, residing in St. Louis, um, I overheard a conversation between a, a couple, um, and uh, the the guy was saying uh, to the woman, oh, I guess they were planning an upcoming trip to New York, and he goes, you know, when we... Uh, when we go to New York, I'm going to take you to The Gap and The Banana Republic on Fifth Avenue. With the idea that because there are, you know, flagship stores on the, and large uh, versions of these stores uh, on, on this major shopping thoroughfare, that, those mu- that must be the original one. And right. That's, that is the, the, the biggest one and the, the one that is kind of on this artery of car, car, commerce must be the one to go to. Well, and, I mean, that's interesting when you think about a, like a, um, a relationship between sort of base and superstructure, which we were talking about a little bit with Structure, Sign, and Play uh, and Derrida last time, or of uh, of Simulacrum, right? Like, that like that there is an original. Like, any of these, any of these sort of highly focused grouped, highly sort of marketer-driven um, retail concepts, like Banana Republic or The Gap, or, you know, especially uh, Abercrombie, American Eagle, any of these which seem to be driven by marketing research rather than by a guiding, uh, what, artistic vision or something yeah, like that, yeah. that there could be an original right. of any of these right. things, right? Right, or it's, I mean, even, even if there were, it would be so different, right? So I think there actually is a the... Pizzeria Uno in Chicago, but it's very different. And, yeah. and, and 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 even if it now is part of the same ownership as the Pizzeria Uno chains, the the Pizzeria Uno has now become just a Pizzeria Uno. Sure. It is a the Pizzeria Uno. Right, right, right. Um and I mean I think that that like go, expands in a lot of different ways, right? So that as we were walking down um Central Park 
East, I guess, or Fifth Avenue. Like, it's not called Central Park East, but the eastern side of Central Park. You know, I noticed there's a small set of stands right before you get to the Pierre Hotel um, and and the Plaza. Um, so just approaching 59th Street um, of uh, of an outpost of the Strand bookstore, right? And so it's um, an interesting thing where you can go to the Strand, but now the Strand is a Strand, right? Um, and and also that location is actually really interesting. Um, like, because that is the same location of the most recent, um, you know, Banksy stunt where you could buy um, a Banksy that was the Banksy, right? Uh, with the Banksy watching, right? And so, and that, so that was like a really interesting thing where that corner is, you know, perceived to be a place where you buy touristy art that are these things that are, are worthless and they're, they're just copies of copies of copies. And you were, and that was a place where originals were passed off as copies, sure. Um, and so that, you know, that that we kind of see. Both sides of these, you know, this this the, the intertwined, you know, um, ideas about kind of authenticity. There is like, you know, very few the anything anymore. Anymore, like, yeah. I mean, we are at the Lincoln Center, but there are our Lincoln Center. You know, it has as a brand. Um, uh, you know, it's, it can be. I'm sure you can go to Lincoln Center this or that, or purchase the Lincoln Center this or that wherever you are. Sure. Um, and so that even though we are at the Lincoln Center, or just saw the, um, the you know the Empire Hotel, um, that really that is much more you know subsumed within the kind of broader class of of, of phenomena that it's kind of a part of, right? That, that, that you know that the original you can't te- you can't separate the pebble from the ripples in the water, mm-hmm. right? And, and that at a certain point they're they're they're, they're co-produced, and and so that um, trying to find the pebble um, defeats the purpose because it's it's all ripples, right? Right. And yeah, at a certain point it it all becomes ripples, right? The pebble is dropped below the surface yeah. of the water and yeah. is on the ground somewhere, um, lost to the you know sands of time or the dustbin of history or so, or. Or something like that. So, I mean, this is this actually really is is interesting. Um, this is interesting in terms of what we're talking about in terms of pop music and authenticity, right? Like in in the current stretch. So, I mean, this is maybe kind of the theoretical or conceptual link between the the. Um, you know the strands of this show that w- that we've been talking about. Um, when when we're talking about the music, uh, we we've been kind of struggling with this discourse of authenticity, or, or not struggling, we've been sort of engaging um, with with uh, and and kind of I think enjoying some of the dissonances in in this discourse of of authenticity and and. You know, a record, we talked about like a record, a record of an event uh, last time or the time before. Um, all we have is the sound. I mean, all we have is literally ripples, waves in the air yeah. that bring us, yep. uh, that bring us the sound. And that like, it's, it's funny because wh- where does the authenticity, the question that arises for me is where does the authenticity in here? Mm-hmm. Is it in the sound? Because that's just, that's just ripples on ripples on ripples. It, it must in here in the original act. Yeah, in the right? process, in the performance. Right, right. The, the like act of, you know, of which the record is just a record, right, right, right. and that's a reflector, right, and that, 
<laughs> our our love skips on on silver discs, yeah. you know. The um, but that there is right that there is like a love, you know. That is the 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 beginning, uh, the the thing uh, outside of the structure, the origin and the end of the game, uh, which is what Derrida calls it in structure, sign, and play. And that um, that you know, I think that what we may be getting at is is the is the kind of the the bankruptcy, uh, the the intellectual bankruptcy of this idea of authenticity, or at least using it as a bludgeon to sort of pejoratively dismiss things that are not that uh, are not presumed to to fall within the you know its its compass, right? Like within uh, uh, the range of things that are authentic. Well, I think that's right, and I think that um, I think the other way that it possibly then. Um, links back up to the kind of earlier concerns um, is, you know, this discourse about authenticity is also related to discourses about um, identity and the construction of identity. Yeah. Um, and so that, and, and so, and, and that was one of the central concerns of, um, of, of, of the Gossip Girl kind of, and Glee, in the first, the, the teen, teen soap opera you know, chapter or research program of this that was all about kind of, you know, uh, as we've talked about, the you know, to what extent can one exert agency over identity? And, right. Um, and, and what are the ways in which identity is valuable and how does that relate to certain practices of, of, of social power? And it actually, I mean, it makes sense in, in kind of where we ended up with that to think of it not as a, not as a... Uh, you know, a single a single thing, right? But as maybe a nexus point with a lot of with a lot of forces at, at the intersection of a lot of forces, like uh, things about things about origin um, and family, things about uh, you know society and. Especially as a teenager, when your your identity is more what you don't like rather than what you do like, you know, reactions against society, and then you know, as a, sort of at the the nexus point, also of a, like a positive program of identity construction, uh, i.e. I would like to be this kind of person or, you know what I mean? Or this is who I am. Like the claim that, you know, this is who I am, not that, Uh, you you know what I mean? And that some of the, some of the slippage in that, um, we saw some of the slippage in that with our idea of like non-oriented sexuality or, or, or stuff like that, that, that there seems to be, uh, opening up this space, uh, wherein there's a discourse of kind of non-permanent or semi-permanent, um, identity moves, right? Rather than rather than everything having to be, you know, a final answer, a final decision. Well, and I think we see that in you know, you know, we just, we're discussing that on the very micro level of, of the individual. But that I think that just our small walking tour has also shown that to be the case at the at the scale of a city as right. well, right? That cities are are, and you know, I think cities in general, but especially a city like New York. You know, really happens at these at intersections, right? Sure. That, you know, that we we kind of, um, you know, in some ways, I think it's appropriate that we're ending here at, at Lincoln Center. That is, you know, um, you know, a, a intersect is just up uh, up Broadway from um, Columbus Circle, which is a major multi-way um, intersection that's kind of the anchor of the western corner um, of, uh, of Central Park, right? So that it's the opposite kind of pole from um, the Plaza Hotel. Um, that's holding down um, uh, uh, the eastern side, and then the kind of uh, Broadway springs northward at a, at a diagonal and starts as it moves north, kind of straightens out. And so, what what you have in Lincoln Center is um, was a very kind of you know this 
you know, 1960s um, uh, sort of... Um, uh, uh, planning a very very planned urbanism, um, but what uh, has uh, happened in this space eventually, as as uh, has been re- revitalized in the last few years, um, it's gone from you know a kind of tidy, organized, top-down urbanism to uh, a, a refurbishment that allows for a much more open access urbanism. And that there's many of the entrances to this plaza have have been opened up. Um, there are um, constructed uh, grassy hills that are atop of you know, four-star restaurants. Uh, there are reflecting pools. Children are playing. Um, you know, and in some ways, this is interesting, right? This to me feels much more like the throne room um, than uh, than the steps of the Met, right? Like I don't, I don't see any pools of urine here. There are precious few. Um, Precious few uh, pigeons, um, and so I, that in some ways there's been a balance. Whereas you know the Plaza Hotel and, and the the Upper East Side is now anchored by a massive glowing Kaaba of a of, of the Apple Store. Right. Um, that that in fact this you know what was once a kind of first a utopian um, social planning experiment uh, and then a kind of a, a example of failed urbanism has now once again opened up and and, that, and so that, that 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 again it's been kind of constructed and reconstructed um, to really say you know like uh, Chuck Bass moving the empire uh, his empire um, it both hit of the hotel and uh, and 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 of 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 the house of bass westward you know so has just actually the seat moved and and, and that's not a permanent move but something that is constructed and reconstructed over time sure. as people ideas capital move through the city right but that's i mean that's interesting because there there are things that are not sort of subject to Oh, we just got uh, passed over by a bunch of helicopters all at once. Um, that are not subject to like competing systems of meaning, and that's like the built environment. Right. And so it it moves at a slower pace in wi- you know uh, the pace at which the built environment comes to reflect the the notional environment or the the sort of uh, environment of ideas. And this this is definitely um, this is uh, definitely. Uh, a move away from that, like what is it, Robert Moses style, yeah, exactly, or like exactly. of like mm-hmm. the stone bathtub kind of within which the you know, or sort of stone inaccessible block, and you right. there's like controlled access to right, it, right, and you kind right. of come up from street level to do it. Right. This, and, these, and these mega blocks, right, right, one point of entry and one point of exit. Yeah, yeah, the sort of super blocks where you put in like this must be like four blocks square or something yeah. like that, and. Um, uh, and it goes it, it, moving to a, a, a model that I think is a lot more syntonic with New York, where the street life is so important. Yeah, you exactly. know. Yeah, it's Jane Jacobs is, is recolonizing Robert Moses, right? right? So, and Jane, you know, I think we, I don't know if we've talked about Jane Jacobs at all, but she was kind of a counterpoint to this. Um, you know, Robert Moses was the city planner who was who was at the forefront of these, you know, top-down utopian kind of um, you know city planning. And Jane Jacobs was a urban activist who lived in the um, in the, the West Village uh, and and wrote a. Um, Book uh, known as, is called the uh, the birth and death uh, or the death and life yeah. of great American cities, um, and and was um, an ethnography of her neighborhood, and uh, moreover was a argument about um, this role of you know. Uh, organic, overlapping, multi-use uh, 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 neighborhoods um, as as the co- cornerstone of urban social order. That, that really the social order was not imposed from above, but um, you know emerges organically through use and through you know exchange and, and kind of you know local experimentation and kind of multi um, 
you know, multivalent social exchange. Wait, right? Where the neighborhood, again, is kind of a nexus. I mean, this exactly. is kind of a middle level of it's a nexus of, you know, the activities of a lot of forces that are in product that are productively in tension yeah. Uh, yeah. with one another. And it sort of takes time for things to evolve sort of organically yeah. for kind of ways and, and you know, for practices yeah. and, and for... Um, uh, you know, I don't know, traditions and things like this to, to evolve organically. It is faster as it goes to just kind of, to, to just sort of dictate from the top. But, you know, where, where I'll say that the Robert Moses style uh, planning is right is in like infrastructure projects, right. you know, because it's not, you're not going to get an aqueduct through, you know, through a lot of different neighborhoods, kind of collective, with their collective action. And, it, you know, you might get, you know, a lot of small pieces of aqueduct, but it would look more like a bucket brigade than an aqueduct, you know, and it wouldn't deliver things as efficiently. And so there are some, like, some places where, I mean, there are a, a couple of awful ones, but places where, like, tunnels or highways or things like this enter Manhattan, where it's like, well, you needed you needed that guy to get it done, to get the land condemned, to move everyone, to knock it down. Uh, and there's a certain amount of tragedy to that, and it's, it's good that it didn't go farther, because I think, like, one of the plans was to knock down uh the 30s or something or like near where the High Line is and build a trans Manhattan uh, expressway that would have been like the cross Bronx it would have been like uh, a disaster well these things do happen right that um, I was just talking about this earlier today uh, or experiencing it because it was the way that I entered the city this time that um you know, the, the old Penn Station was this magnificent kind of neoclassical, um, you know, uh, train station. And, you know, even on the, on the lines of, but even possibly more magnificent than Grand Central or, like, some of the great, you know, train stations of Paris. Uh, and it was knocked down, you know, to make way for Madison Square Garden and the current Penn Station, which is just awful. You yeah. know, it's just a, a, a corrugated metal fart tube. Um, and, <laughs> and, no, and, and, and it's, it's just you're underground exactly. the whole time you're in it. And it's, yeah, yeah, it's just, I mean, it's really terrible. It doesn't have any of the the grandeur that the yeah, that the yeah, other yeah. one has or that yeah. the present day Grand Central Station yeah. after the renovation has. And so I think there's a question is, you know, you know, to kind of go back to the idea that's in, you know, the, the of who watches the watchman, who plans the planners, right? Sure. And then how do you how do you know which scale is needed and right. and, and, and what level of of government and what degree of centralization versus decentralization um, will lead to kind of the most, you know, the best results and best being kind of a combination of, you know, efficient use of resources and equitable um, mm-hmm. and maybe other criteria like sustainability, right? And so that these, and, and I think that this, there, there still becomes a question of how do you have meta institutions that decide how to plan um, right. and, and to plan to plan. Um, and, and that again, when it works, um, again, as it appears to have, um, you know, here in Lincoln Center where we're sitting, it's a combination of, you know, use leading to changes in planning and vice versa, right? So that you, I, I have the feeling of some of these um, changes to the overall, just where the entries and exits are and, and kind of levels uh, and so on, you know, came from, you know, really a careful look at by planners at how people were using the space. Sure. You know? and, and so people kind of took the first step by like 
using and misusing the space right, right. And, 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 and engaging in pressure. And there's, and I then, mean, there's a principle in various kinds of design, which is like pave the cow paths. Right. Right. Like exactly. take a, take um, a look at what it's what you're saying. Take a look at the planet, the, the, uh, the patterns of use and then make those that people are doing anyway, make those the default patterns exactly. and like remove obstacles yeah. in, in their path. Well, I think, uh, I think we've uh, pretty well paved our cow path. Uh, I, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I think we have. I mean, I, there are two, there are two, uh, just thoughts I want to wrap up with. One is that, like, um, the plot of Gossip Girl we've talked about a lot as working extremely well at the micro level, yeah. but but at, uh, moderately well sometimes at the mid-range level and, and just being a clusterfuck of epic proportions at the macro level. And, you know, things like... And really wasting a lot of good opportunities because they were playing a short game all right. the time. Right. Uh, so, like, Rufus and, and, uh, and Lily's Love Child, right, is one where, you know, totally... Totally lost the uh, uh, lost whatever momentum that storyline that might have had, and the, and we even had a uh, we even had a, a saying which is you know how are they going to gossip girl this right. um, that uh, so it's it's interesting to think of it not only as being uh, in urban planning or being in. Um, uh, uh, construction of identity or the sort of uh, construction of societies, but also in in any sort of creative project that there are you know uh, multiple levels of abstraction. They all have to be functioning together. Uh, the other so is other way. This is a, the problem of like basically. Uh, Robert Moses showrunner. Right, um, right, exactly, and that and that you have to be able to kind of work on many on many levels at once. Now the other thing. Um, uh, the other thing is that I think that there's an an analog to sort of intellectual activity and to sort of theorizing uh, here because theory is something that is kind of imposed from a top down. Theory is something that kind of has its own logic and its own imperatives. Once you kind of step into that theoretical world, you start constructing theory based on theory so that it is an internally consistent or at least an internally referential system uh, of meaning. And a lot of the complaints uh, against against theory, some of them naive, some of them less so, um, are that it doesn't it doesn't refer down. It's too kind of self involved. And so when when we're we're talking about theory, I mean, I think I don't know one of the one of the interesting things about our project, whether it's with Gossip Girl or Glee or now with the pop music, is that we we deal in multiple levels of abstraction at once at a at a sort of um, uh, at a high level of theory and and ultimate meaning, uh, at a very low level of evidence, and I mean, in some of the discourse that we've had about uh, about pop music, uh, talking about actual sounds, individual sounds, you know, and and how they fit together, and then at that at that middle level, which is uh, which is I think a kind of a, a a practical level of music production or or something like that, and so that like even reflected even reflected in our project, and you know, like uh, Robert Moses or Jane Jacobs, Jane Jacobs, Jacob. Jacobs, um, you, uh, you you privilege one over the other depending on your particular focus at a moment. But but even we, you know, you can see even born out in our project this kind of multi multi tier or multi level, um, uh, uh, you know, structure. 
into how the how the uh, how the thing works. What's well, a matter of kind of being able to move uh, using the language of um, uh, you know Harvard uh, kind of pedagogy uh, expert uh, Chris Christensen, um, you know, being able to both be on the dance floor and in the balcony at, at the same time, and then as you say, also on the mezzanine. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and I think that you know one thing about our our project as this is a a you know a project with two principal investigators right. that we're actually able to um, basically have one person on the dance floor uh, and the uh, and the other in the gallery with twerking their, twerking intellectually one, one is one is twerking hard or, or hardly twerking <laughs> and, and, uh, and the other is there then um, you know watching the entire uh, the, the 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 vast uh, tapestry right. of, of twerkdom <laughs> unfold all right well thank you for indulging me in those last couple uh, oh, thank you in those... <laughs> they, they tied them up very well <laughs> uh, well we'll be back next week this was an uh, interesting experiment there are a couple of directions that uh, that we could go next week so if you want to direct your listening uh, over the course of the uh, uh, over the course of the next week definitely uh, continue listening to Arcade Fire because I think there's more to say about uh, about Reflector um, uh, you can check out MIA's new album which is Matangi uh, and um, also maybe uh, maybe it wouldn't be the worst thing if you uh, on Spotify or whatever if you put a little Yeezus on your playlist so that we have a so that we have a fallback position so uh, uh, with that uh, we say farewell from uh, from the steps of the Met from outside Nate Archibald's townhouse and from here on uh, Lincoln Center Plaza Uh, we have been these frolicking tourists and uh, we'll see you next time bye